0: Lord it is great to be here with you all and I do bring greetings from College Hill Reformed Church in Beaver Falls and if you're ever up that way you're welcome to come join us Uh, and I also bring greetings from the Nye family Josh and Rachel uh, which you guys took care of while they were down here for five or six months last year Uh, they said to say thank, uh, thank you and hello It was also a great pleasure and joy for you to allow your pastor to come up and to preach at my ordination, a great uh, encouragement to me. And finally, just uh, it was uh, sweet to hear Psalm 103 sung together. It's a great reminder to stir up our own hearts, to bless the Lord for what he's done for us. He doesn't hold our sins against us. He's loved us in the Lord Jesus Christ. With that in mind, let's turn in our copy of God's Word to James chapter one. This morning we're going to be reading from verses uh, twenty-six, or sixteen through twenty-five. But before we read God's Word, uh, let's go through a, just a few introductory comments. James, the book of James, the letter of James, is known as the wisdom literature of the New Testament. It's practical in its nature, as James writes. He meets you where you are, in your walk with Christ. And he really helps us in this first chapter to answer the following questions. How are you to understand and respond to trials in your life? James tells us that trials are a part of the Christian life. And rather than trying to avoid trials, to avoid difficulties, we should see them for what they are. They test us. And they strengthen us in our faith. If you look at verses 1. our Chapter 1 verse 4. What it says here. James says they make you perfect. They complete you in Christ. And the second question. What about temptation and sin? Does temptation originate with God? James says may it never be. It's against God's character. God tempts no one. To be sure, sin is part of our nature and our own temptation comes from within. It's it's rooted. Temptation is rooted in our own desires. And when that takes root, it gives birth to sin. Verses 13 through 15. And so rather than the source of temptation, James says, God is the giver of good And perfect gifts. And he has given you the most important gift. He has given you the Lord Jesus Christ. He's given you new life through the word of truth. Verses 16 through 18. And so that's where we'll pick up our reading here this morning. In verse 16. People of God. Hear now the word of God. Which is able to save your soul. Do not be deceived, my brothers, beloved brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be the kind of first fruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away at once, forgetting what he was like. But be the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. The reading of God's word for the people of God. Let's pray. Father, as we've looked at your word, as we've read your word, we ask that you would help us to be good hearers, to listen to what you have for us this morning. And may you be praised in all that's said here in this pulpit. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. There's a primacy of the scriptures, of the word of God in the church In the church generally, and particularly in the Reformed church, much is made about the teaching, the faithful teaching of the word of God, and should it is rightly so, handled this way. The importance of the word is reflected in the very way in which this auditorium is set up. The pulpit stands front and center. The Bible is open before you. In the pews, there's many copies of God's word. For you to read. In this congregation and many others. You take the word of God seriously. You sing from God's word. In your Psalter hymnals. Brothers and sisters. The word of God must be taught. And preaching is needed. And it's needed without compromise. And it's needed to be done. In its entirety. Preaching the word. And reading of the word is vital. Is a vital importance. For faith. Comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. But we must not stop there. For there's another aspect to the reading of the Word of God and hearing the Word of God. What's also important, and I think that's what James tells us here, the other aspect, and he points us in this direction this morning. And that is, along with the faithful preaching of the Word, There must also be faithful listening to the word. A faithful hearing and receiving of the word. For if the word of God is preached and the word of God is read. Yet it falls on deaf ears. If The message falls on deaf ears. There will be no effect. A whole lot of your scrutiny and my scrutiny can be turned to the preaching of the word. It's just so easy yes you as god's people you should test what you hear from the pulpit and what you read against the scriptures it's appropriate to ask questions is what the pastor the preacher saying faithful to the text are his applications rooted in the scriptures but often our minds don't stop there maybe it's just me But sometimes we start to say things like this. You know, I didn't really get much out of the preaching. You know, it didn't really connect with me. I just couldn't pay attention to what was being said. Is it just me? Or do you have that difficulty as well? But James here forces you to think more deeply in this passage. The preaching of the word is vital to the church, but it's also vital that we be good listeners To the word. We were faithful listeners. So here is a question for you this morning. How are your listening skills? How are your listening skills? For preparing your heart to hear the word of God. And when you hear it. When it's heard. Are you responding. In the right way. For this is crucial. For us the church. One author, when commenting on this passage, asserted this, that your spiritual prosperity is directly related to your proper hearing and reception of God's word. Your spiritual prosperity is directly related to your hearing of God's word and you receiving that. So God is calling you today to learn how to listen to the word of God. To listen to his word. Learn to listen to the word of God. We'll be doing that under three headings. First, the context. Then we'll be looking at the importance of listening. And then finally, we'll be talking about the way or how to listen well. So let's take just a few moments to do an overview of the context of this passage before we dive deeply into verses 19 and 20 for there's where we're going to spend most of our time this morning. I'm guessing as if there were just a few few passages from the letter of James prior to coming here this morning that you knew, or that you could quote, verse 19 would be one of them. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And I think next to that maybe would be faith without works is dead. These are most often the verse verses quoted from the book of James. And sometimes when we know a verse so well, it can be great danger of taking it out of consta- context and not really understanding it deeply. And I think as we read this passage outside of his context, you may believe that James is addressing particularly interpersonal communication. When we talk to one another and how we are to speak. Assuming that what James is saying is when you talk to other, others, this is how you should listen well and this is how you should speak. And as you read this little letter, it does feel like at times James jumps back and forth from subject to subject quickly. It's almost hard to keep up where he's going. And that's what many commentators believe about this passage. They believe that he's going here from one verse to another. And they treat in verse 9 in particular like a per- parenthetical thought. That James was talking about trials and temptations, and now he goes on to communications. But the more I've studied this letter, the more I've discovered that there's continuity here between what James was saying prior to and what he's saying after, and particularly here in verse 19. And I admit, it might take a little bit of work, but I assure you there's treasures. There's a vast treasure to be uncovered here. So let's look quickly at the surrounding passages. Verse 18, it says, Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be kind of first fruits of his creatures. In this passage, James is speaking about the origins of our faith, that your coming to faith originated in the will of God. And Not only does he talk about the origins of your faith, but also the means in which the Lord has accomplished this. He's done it through the word of truth. He brought you forth through the word. James is using this birthing language. Like a woman bringing forth a child, so too you have been brought forth. Through the word of truth. Remember. At the beginning of time. God spoke a word. And all of creation was created. And so to you. You have been recreated. By the word of truth. You've been brought to life. And then verse 21. You were called to receive this word humbly for it is this word that saves your soul and then verse 22 calls you to be a doer of the word and not what just a hearer only the word rendered here here in the english has the same greek word as we have in verse 19 that says to listen you cannot just be one who hears the word and disregards it you must be one who puts it into practice To take the word and what it teaches and understand it. And as we plan, that's the subject of our study tonight, to be a doer of the word. See, when you put the word into practice, there's great blessing. So that brings us back to verse 19. As you can see, we're surrounded by the word. As you can see, we're dealing with the word of God. So how are you to rightly understand verse 19, given the context of the passage? What does James mean? Was he speaking about interpersonal communication, how we're to talk with one another? Although there are many, many often use that passage in this way in dealing with each other. And I do believe that there's some real spiritual application in communicating with one another. Rather, I believe that James is speaking And without a doubt, in my own mind, he's speaking about our response to the word of God. How we're to receive the word. How we respond to it when we hear it. Yes, it's true that the scriptures are full of all kinds of passages dealing with interpersonal communication. In in particular, in uh, Proverbs chapter 12, it says, The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to instruction or advice. God does direct us how we're to speak, but I don't think that's the thrust of this particular passage. If you're not convinced yet, I ask you to give me a few more moments, and in the meantime, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So let's learn how to listen well. And to do that, we need to learn to listen well by first understanding the importance of listening the importance of listening. In verse 19, James says, Know this. Know this, my beloved brothers. What James is saying, you need to know this. You need to remember this. You need to learn to appreciate this. He wants you to struggle and strive to understand to know what follows is to understand how important it is to listen to the word. You and I need to use our ears as they were intended to be used. Some have said that's why we have two ears and one mouth. We should, we should listen twice as much as we speak. It isn't, isn't it quite interesting that our ears are one part of our body that are always open? The ears are always open, and it takes an active measure in which to close them. You have to put your ear, your fingers in your ears or earmuffs on your ears. The biblical testimony is full of examples of calling not only God's people, but all the nations to listen and hear what he has to say. Remember in the Old Testament, Moses was called to return to the land of Egypt, the land of his youth. And he was to preach to Pharaoh. Pharaoh heard the audible voice of God through Moses. But did he listen? Did he hear the word of God? No, he rebelled. And what came upon him and his people was destruction. Then in Deuteronomy chapter 5, the second giving of the Ten Commandments as we read this morning. It says this, hear, O Israel, the statutes and the rules that I speak in your hearing today, and you shall learn from them and be careful to do them. God's people were commanded to hear the word of God. Isaiah the prophet called the people of God in the rebellion, Hear, you deaf, and look, you blind, that you may see. God's people were called to hear. And this didn't only happen in the New Testament. Remember the story of the parable that Jesus told about the sowing of the seed. Jesus said you were to go out with the message of the gospel. The message didn't change, did it? It was the soil that changed. It's the reception of the word that changed. It's response. And then in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, He who hears these words of mine and obeys them, If he hears these words and he does the word, he's like a wise man. A man who hears the word of God and responds to it is like a man or woman who builds their life upon the foundation, upon the rock. The sure and trustworthy foundation. And then in Romans chapter 10, it says, he who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But Paul follows this up with a series of questions. He says, how can they call on him whom they have not believed? How are they to believe on whom they have not heard? How are they here without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they are sent? Hearing is important, for faith comes through hearing the word. And Peter echoes the same sentiment. He says, it was real to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. In these things, they have been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit. Peter understood that faith came through the faithful preaching and the reception of the word preached. So hearing is important. So what are you putting into your ears? For what you hear often determines what you think and believe. Just yesterday, as so we were driving down uh, to here, Georgia, or uh, the day before we were moving, leaving from Pennsylvania to Tennessee, where we met with my sister-in-law and mother-in-law. The kids were p- taking turns putting music from Spotify onto the radio. And it was amazing to me how many of the tunes that I knew from my youth would pop up and all of a sudden I would remember the lyrics. And I started to sing them as if I couldn't help it. It just came out. I didn't know I knew those words. But oh, the power of the years to take in and then Come forth from us. But often when God speaks. We neglect to listen. Our ears are stuffed up by either by disregarding or outright rejecting what he has said and what we have heard. That's why it's so important for you as God's people to be sitting under faithful preaching of the word. Reading and meditating on the word of God. There's so many things that are vying for your attention, vying for your ears. Listen to me. Hear what I have to say. Know this, James is saying. Know this, brothers and sisters in Christ. Know this, children. Listening is important. For this is the way in which God works. Why do we preach? It's not like they did some sociological study and found that preaching is the best way to communicate. No, this is the means that God has ordained for you, his people, to hear his message. And concerning this subject, there's nothing more important, biblically important. There's nothing that takes the place of the word of God being heard. So what are you putting under your ears? In order to endure under trials, to resist temptation, you must be a ready and good listener. In order to live a holy, productive Christian life, you must be ready to listen. Open your ears, for this is the way in which the Lord works in your life. So this is the context of the passage, and it's important to listen. Now let's look at the how. How can we be good listeners? Learning to listen, you need to know how to listen. So first, be quick to listen. I'm excuse me, quick to hear or listen. James describes a readiness and a willingness to hear whatever the preacher brings, Whatever the passage of scripture reveals, when God speaks, you listen. You ought to come here each Lord's Day morning and evening to hear, ready to hear. Asking God to mold you and shape you by the word preached. Lord, as I open up my scripture, my Bible here this morning, I want you to speak to me. Show me your truth. I'm ready, no matter the cost, wherever it may take me. What you might hear or read may not be easy. It may not even be palatable. It may be hard to digest. It might be difficult. It may be encouraging on the one hand, or quite convicting on the other. You say, I just want to hear. I want to hear the word of God. And as a preacher of the gospel, it can be tempting not to preach the difficult portions of Scripture. That's why this is our calling, to preach the totality of Scripture. That's why it's so important for expository preaching, where we go through each passage of the Bible. We cannot skip over certain and difficult parts. We must preach the whole counsel of God to you. Not because we particularly want to. But it's because it's what you need to hear. And it's because it's what I need to hear. So be quick to listen. And secondly, be slow to speak. How can you be listening when you're speaking? How can you be listening when you're speaking? We've all experienced it. You think, how can that person be listening to me? When they talk so much. It seems like I get a half a sentence out and they're already ready formulating their response to what I previously said. They're not really listening. And so often I think we respond to God in this way. You can start to spout off what you're reading. Rather than taking time to meditate on the words. To think on them. To try to understand them it. Like a child talking back to their parents, you begin to rattle off your own opinions and your thoughts. And I think we can do this in two particular ways. There's probably, probably many more. First, upon initial hearing or reading, you may think you figured it all out. And you begin to pontificate on the passage, what it really means, or when you really don't understand it. And that's why James in chapter 3 really warns teachers in the church to be careful when they're teaching because judgment will come upon them with greater strictness. So therefore be slow to speak. Secondly, you can start to talk back to God. This isn't right. I don't really agree with this. And really what we're doing is you're starting to really judge God. You begin to reject God. His message. I don't want to live the way that you've commanded me to live. I don't want to obey your commandments. And so, therefore, James tells us be slow to speak. And this leads us to our final point. For when you speak disapprovingly to God and of God, it often leads to anger leads to an angry heart so be slow to anger this portion of the text is most difficult for some to relate back to the subject of the word of god and consequently most believe that this is evidence that james is shifting of ideas or topics one noted author and theologian said it this way he said as we noted above exhortation to listen well and speak only with the due deliberance me, due are common in Jewish wisdom literature. Moreover, the prohibition of quick anger does not fit well with this idea, referring to the context of the word. Probably then, we have another instance in which James suddenly shifts to a new topic. And I, wouldn't be, I would be lying to you. If I say that that didn't give me great pause because this particular man in his ministry, particularly his writing ministry, has been real helpful to me in understanding the scriptures. I've relied on him so much in his commentaries. But is James really changing direction suddenly? I think not. And why? For anger is not an uncommon response when hearing the word of truth. Anger is not an uncommon response. When hearing the truth. The testimony of scripture is clear. When men and women are confronted. With the truth. What often happens is anger. And rebellion. Think of the Old Testament. God promised his people. He promised to be their God. He delivered them out of Egypt. And took them through the wilderness and desert. He provided it for them with manna and quail and water. And yet when the first difficult signs appeared to the people, what did they do? They rebelled. They were angry with God. Did you bring us out in this desert to die? And when God did not give the people of Israel king in their own image... When God, when they demanded it from God, what did they do? They became angry, demanding all the more. And this isn't limited to the Old Testament scriptures. How about the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ? He preached the kingdom of God. He declared freedom from the condemnation of the law. He called people to faith and repentance. He healed the sick. He gave food to the hungry. He gave sight to the blind. He even raised the dead to life. What was the response? They plotted to kill him. The cries that once said, Hosanna, Hosanna, were changed to crucify him, crucify him. And the response of anger is not any different for the disciples of Christ. In Acts, Stephen preached the Christ from the whole Old Testament. He preached salvation to the captives. And their response, Acts chapter 7, verse 54. When they heard these things, they were enraged. And they ground their teeth at him. And they stoned him to death. Do you need more evidence than that? When confronted with the truth. When confronted with the word of God proclaimed, it makes people Angry. For the word of God, what it does is it strikes at the heart. As our culture has become increasingly worldly, the more hostility to the scriptures and truth will be found in our culture. But may that never be said of you and me. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. May God's word penetrate our hearts and we not become angry. It's easy to become angry when the demands of Jesus are placed upon you. You begin to want to make God in your own image like Adam and Eve. I cannot serve a God like that. And your, word, your heart begins to erode the truth of the scripture. So people of God, therefore, be slow to anger when confronted with the word. For as James says, brothers and sisters, anger does not produce the righteousness of God. And that's the intent of God's word in your life, to produce righteousness in your life. And that's what the word of God is doing. So it's very important to listen well, to be slow to speak and slow to anger and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul and today this morning we get to experience that in form in picture form for us in the lord's supper we get to see the word of god before us may we receive it with meekness for it's able to save our souls. Amen. Let's pray.